0: I hit record. Here we go. All right. Welcome to Evan the Counselor Live. This is the first podcast or live show. So we'll see what comes of it. Um, And we're going to expect for it to go perfectly smooth. And it's going to be incredible right off the bat. So there's going to be no need for improvement because this is going to be perfect. So for some of you who are new, we are streaming live on tiktok right now and facebook so if you haven't checked out either of those go ahead and do that um yeah so to start things off i know so to start things off let's talk about our sponsor right so i have a sponsor and they are vibe interior that's v y b e interior and the creators of this picture here el todo rojo so real quick, how that got started. Is I just bought this painting. I, I bought a new house. I moved in. I needed some cool decor. And I saw this pop up on Instagram. I'm like, I'll give it a shot. This is a dope painting. And they sent me El Toro Rojo, is the name of it. And it was framed. And so they have a lot of really awesome canvases. So go check them out. If you use code EVAN40, you'll get 40 bucks off. And you'll make all your friends jealous. They'll walk into your house and be like, oh my god, you have such amazing taste. They have a lot of different styles than just this. So, that is Vibe Interior and the painting, El Toro Rojo. And that's the El Toro Rojo theme song. All my followers know about that. And so we'll see over the course of this podcast how many people come in and ask about the painting, right? So that's how it got started as I reached out to them because so many people asked me, yo, where'd you get that painting? I saw it in the background of one of my videos and, or they came in the live stream and that's how all this came about. So go check them out. And today for our first podcast, we I wanted to do a topic and what we're gonna talk about is basically the state of where we're at right now. So this is a mental health focused podcast and the state of where we're at right now with the pandemic, and we're learning a little bit more about how that has impacted people's mental health because one of the main things that we talk about is the physical health uh, from COVID, but we don't talk enough about how this pandemic and not just the health and everything that comes with the physical health element, but you know, all of the Uh, things on the back end all those secondary effects uh, not just the like death tolls and everything like that so yeah so we're going to be talking about that and I figure for the first podcast too many of all know me but people who are streaming it on TikTok and that right now is my primary platform where I have the most followers and we do live. so follow me on TikTok if you don't already and I do lives about twice a week um Another thing as well is you could feel free to shoot me an email to evan at evanthecounselor.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram. And for anyone who does that, I am coming out with a book on communication. So this is the handbook on how to deal with difficult people. right? So I've given out 100 copies for free, but now I'm giving out free sample copies. So the first 25 pages of the book. You could also check me out on Patreon. And my Patreon is at any level you sign up, you get a free copy of that book. And I'm doing a video series to go along with that book on communication. So if you have any difficult people in your life, I mean, let's be honest, we all have at least that one person, right? So difficult people in difficult situations, um, you could benefit from that book. So again, the topic today we're going to be focusing on is going to be COVID and mental health and where we're at right now. Um, And we're gonna also answer some user questions. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna answer some of you all's questions. So we'll show everyone the the TikTok stream. You guys on TikTok can't see it, but we're showing uh, this right here. Um, So yeah, I'll check every once in a while and see if you all have any questions come up. And I'll spend some time later to just interact with you guys and we could have a little bit of fun. But I'll be checking out my side eye here and, and seeing what you all are up to. I got this little switchboard here. Look at this thing. Oh, shit, I'm messing everything up. I got a little button, so now camera, front cam, camera two, camera three. And then I created a TikTok camera where it shows this and me. How cool is that? Um, all right. Oh, Maria. So Maria is one of our longtime followers. She's one of our top tiers, I call her. So she needs to email me regarding dealing with toxic people. Oh, no. So that's why it'd be great for you all to send me an email and get a free sample of the book. And yeah, then your life will be 10 times easier. Guaranteed. Have a good podcast. All right, I got my good podcast voice. Uh, this podcast is also brought to you by me, Undies. No, I'm just kidding. They don't sponsor me. Uh, who else? Helix Mattress, ExpressVPN. What are the other ones? Uh, Zip Recruiter. For your hiring needs, check out ZipRecruiter. This is also brought to you by Starbucks. Starbucks coffee. Classic. I'm actually using this for a prop. That's why I have Starbucks. I usually make my own coffee. Not that there's anything wrong with Starbucks, but we're going to use this for a prop for one of my TikTok videos coming up later. So um, Stephanie's also having a cold brew. That's awesome that painting, we were talking about that vibe interior for it. Okay, now I'm getting too distracted. So let's go to a couple of the topics. So first, since this is my first podcast, I figured just do a little bit of background about who I am and why the hell I'm here and how this all, all this craziness started. So for those of you who are new, I am a licensed therapist. I'm a licensed Clinical social worker here in Minnesota, and I'm also a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. So I began my career working in addiction, um, and so I did addiction counseling for quite a while. I was working in different treatment centers. Got went back to school, got my licensure. I had my bachelor's in psych, so I always knew I really I wanted to get in this field. I loved helping people. I love psychology, human behavior. Uh, and then I yeah transitioned into mental health and started up my own practice. So I still am practicing and I still maintain a practice here in Minnesota. Uh, I have a business uh, called Hybrid Counseling and focused on mental health. So I've actually been doing telehealth for quite a long time before this whole pandemic thing started, doing addiction services, uh, and mental health services online. So we have a group of therapists uh, who work with me, um, provide all sorts of different services. Um, Then I also do housing. So I think it's really important uh, for people coming out of treatment to have safe housing. So I also do that as well. Uh, We have a business called Coordinated Recovery, and we do housing for people coming out of treatment, particularly LGBTQ folks as well. So we specialize in that. Um, So one of the first places I ever worked was called Pride Institute and is one of the first probably is actually the first inpatient uh treatment program for folks with lgbt and substance use disorder so it's funny i started off there and as as a technician um like kind of frontline technician uh, before i went back to school and started working in hospitals and that kind of thing but now i do a lot of work with them uh, housing folks coming out of treatment so that's cool that i've been able to stay connected with them so pride institute Check them out. If you know anybody who's LGBTQ, needs treatment, come here to Minnesota. Because you know, Minnesota, we're, we're well known for a lot of our treatment centers and have a, I mean, we have the first treatment center ever, uh, the earliest treatment centers, one of them being Hazelden, which is probably the most well-known still to this day treatment centers. So, you know, we still have a rich tradition of that and one of the biggest recovery communities too. So we have a lot of recovery housing, a great recovery community. So not a lot of people know that. So I'm pretty immersed in that here in Minnesota. Um, and so I have my, people who know me, well, I have my hands dipped in everything. I get I get bored a little bit easy. Um, and Stephanie says she did not know Minnesota was known for that. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. A lot of people come to Minnesota for treatment and they end up staying here. So a lot of times if you're walking to Minnesota and you hear... Someone's like, oh, I'm from somewhere else. A lot of times they're sober. Uh, we do have a lot of corporations here like Target, uh, 3M, and so a lot of people move here because we have a, a really good job system there. Jen says, interesting story. And Jen was one of the ones, Jen's one of our top tier followers as well. She encouraged me to, to tell my story here, and I think that's a good idea. Well, at least a brief part of it. But if you want to learn more too, um, if you send me an email in my book, The Communication Formula, the Guide to Dealing with Difficult People, I do have a, a section in there, you know, about me and how I got started in this whole thing. Um, but yeah, so Minnesota is known for that. So a couple things, you have, I don't know if any of you, if any of you seen the show uh, Bizarre Foods um, with Andrew Zimmern, you know, like Celebrity Chef, and that show's been on for like 15, 20 years, and he has other shows now. Uh, if you saw him, you probably recognize him if you haven't heard of the show, but, and, he's, and he's open about this too, but he's one of those guys that came here in the 90s uh, because he was struggling with alcohol, heroin, all sorts of other addictions. And he came here to do Hazelden from New York, and he just stayed here, and he's still here and makes this his home base. So that's an example. And you know he tells the story that he was in treatment with Chris Farley. So Chris Farley spent a lot of time in Minnesota as well at Hazelden's outpatient program. There's a lot of stories there and, and other celebrities who come to Hazelden and some have st- stuck around. So yeah, I definitely recommend checking out, maybe you could find online, Like he, he has an amazing story, Andrew. Uh, and he's been sober a couple decades at this point, so I've, I've gotten to get to know him as well, which has been really cool. And he's a huge advocate uh, for the recovery community, so... There's that, so I don't know what else, um, and I think I'll, I'll tell a little bit more of my story after, we, after the topic and, and tie it in a little bit, because um, how I've gotten started in doing anything, whether you want to call it public or um, you know, doing mental health-related TikTok, it's because of the pandemic um, that, that got this started, so I'll tie that in as well. So for yeah, anyone new who's tuning in, we are live right now. Uh, obviously, but we are recording this basically as the first podcast or a live show. So we're going to have a little bit of fun, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into a topic, which is different than my normal live streams, because I'm we're just kind of messing around. But we'll do a little messing around, because you know, those of you who like to follow me know we just goof around and have fun, and get serious about mental health. So I think we got all of that out of the way. How you all doing over here on TikTok? So the pandemic has definitely made me more aware of areas in my life I was avoiding. So there's. We're gonna go over here to our TikTok stream, and we are gonna go back to. Look, I'm pressing the button. This is fun. Front cam. Camera one. All right. So let's talk about TikTok and the pandemic and the state of mental health. And we hear about this. We all know that. This can't be good for our mental health. And I tell. And people ask me that all the time. As a mental health professional, what are you seeing out there uh, when it comes to addiction and mental health in the pandemic? People ask, are you getting more clients? Is it getting worse out there? And usually what I'll tell them is I haven't met, I've yet to meet a single person who hasn't been impacted by... COVID, the lockdowns, everything, there's nobody who hasn't had some kind of negative impact from it. The only people who I've met who have deemed it to be a net positive are introverts (laughs) because they're like, now I have an excuse not to leave the house. But I would say joke, but I think even them as well, everybody has had some stress and it's obvious that with shutdowns, financial impact, the health Physical health itself, people getting COVID, uh, having loved ones who have gotten it and passed away. Uh, It's just, it's been stressful. And I think we'll keep coming back to this theme. When I talk about mental health and in a general sense, it's susceptibility plus stress, right? So susceptibility is like, where are the weak points that I'm just naturally born with, right? Whether I'm more prone to depressed moods, if I'm more prone to anxiety, whatever that may be, and you add stress to it, that's where, you know, that's where the system breaks down. And so what's happening now is that we are just putting a bunch of stress out there on everybody. Um, Some of that is man-made, right, how we've reacted to the pandemic, but some of that, right, is just a, a natural result of the pandemic. And It's so, yeah, so if, if mental health and addiction, right? And addiction is mental health, but if it is susceptibility plus stress, we're just cranking the stress knob up two X and, and we're getting the natural result of that. So everybody has been affected. And I can just say from my personal experience, it's like my referrals have gone up probably three times. And that has been the case for every mental health professional I know, and for all of you who have tried to access care yourself, uh, like friends of mine who've been trying to find a therapist, and obviously people reach out to me all the time saying, Evan, how do I find a therapist? Do you know anyone? Do you know a referral? Um they're telling me that they're full. Like I'm personally full. Uh, a lot of my other clinicians are. And so people are like, I'm having to email 10, 20 people. You know, they're not maybe sometimes not hearing back because it is that crazy right now. So it's good that people are reaching out for help. And I'm finding there's a lot of people who wouldn't have reached out for help before that are reaching out. So that's a good thing. But they're having trouble accessing the services. And part of that is just there's not enough of us. And there's obvious, obviously financial uh, I it's not always affordable for everybody, but I would recommend checking out, uh, you know, plugging in this a little bit, but you know, going on my YouTube and one of the videos I have up is tips for finding a therapist. People ask all the time. So this is, you know, these are all the tips, uh, you know, it talks about different, you know, knowing your financial situation, payers, how to, you know, some search engines, all of that of how to find a therapist. I would recommend checking out that video for sure. Um. So yeah, it's just it's tough right now, and so I thought we could talk about, you know, a couple of the statistics. So I, I I did a little time to do a little research just to see, is what my is my experience, my anecdotal experience working in mental health. You know, I don't want to call it on the front lines because that you know makes it sound. You know, I'm not going to compare myself to an ER nurse when I'm you know sitting here at home uh, doing telehealth. Um, but, you know, interacting with people who are affected by this, does that match up with some of the statistics? And, and does that match up with what some of my other colleagues are experiencing as well? And so here's, what, so here's a couple of them, right? So depression, anxiety, other mental health symptoms are up four times in the U.S. Um, so right there, right? A 4x increase in mental health symptoms depression, anxiety, and, and, and it's not equal as far as the impact. Different populations are affected differently, but it, it is everybody is seeing an increase in mental health symptoms. But the folks that are hit the hardest right now are, are certain populations, one, younger people. I think that is the biggest population that had the highest increase in mental health symptoms is young people, is adolescents, Kids, um, make sense, you know. they and one of the one of the theories as to why, and it's not that big of a far, it's not that far fetched, is, you know, kids connections are more important, right? Social life, friends, um, and you know, staying busy. You know, usually kids are in school, and as much as they want to complain about it, you know, that's where their friends are. That's where their connections are. Um, and some of these stay-at-home orders, you know, it was probably cute at first. I was talking with one of my adolescent clients yesterday about, you know, how it's like one long snow day. And maybe for some of you who aren't in Minnesota or the Midwest have never experienced one of these snow days. Although if, in your, if you're in like North Carolina and it gets to like, you know, 45 and in one inch of snow, the whole city shuts down for a week. So maybe you know what it is, but... Um, you know, so it's fun, it's cute at first, but then after a while, you know, that could really wear on you. Um, and the lack of connections for kids. Um another variable being LGBTQ. So kids who are LGBTQ are experiencing even more symptomology. They're already at higher risk as it is, and I could do 10 podcasts on why that is, but you know, you could use your imagination. Um People, women have been affected more. Women with young children especially have borne the brunt of this. Um, <clears throat> then people with, and then obviously people with pre-existing mental health disorders. And again, going back to my uh, like generalization of what mental health is, susceptibility plus stress equals expression of mental health disorders and mental health symptoms. So you crank the stress knob up and the system blows out at the weakest point. The weakest point, again, is am I more susceptible to depression, anxiety, OCD, schizophrenia, no matter what it is. um, You add stress and that increases the likelihood, right, stress, childhood trauma, um, all of those things are considered stress and that makes you more likely. Um, another thing too to talk about is addiction, and we're going to get to that in a minute because I think that's really important as well. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, if you all have any questions you want to throw out there, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna side eye the TikTok. So it seems like some of you are chiming in. Um, so Stephanie's been awesome chiming in. So let's just see what she says. She says I was definitely pretty confused when I was feeling these symptoms. Uh, it's difficult to manage this as an adult, imagine for teens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely more harder. Um, so, this 31 in June and didn't experience any kind of depression until the pandemic. And that's what I was saying before that I'm getting a lot of people coming to my office who've never, a lot of people who have never accessed therapy before. And as I look back now, I could think of so many clients who, this is the first time they've done therapy and maybe they were thinking about it before, but this just pushed them over the edge. I could think of so many different situations, clients losing their jobs. I mean, I know, we know that divorce, like filings for divorce have gone up, right? And stick two people in the house together for, you know, add stress, <laughs> add stress to these relationships. And maybe they were already vulnerable to begin with and maybe not. Um, so people accessing services for the first time. So again, if you're just joining in, we're talking about um, you know where we're at right now with the pandemic and how that's affecting mental health. Going back to camera one, there we go. Um, another group at risk that's really important to talk about is uh, minority groups in the country, people of color. And why that is theorized, again, maybe not rocket science, but they have experienced more the brunt of the financial burden. Um, So you have, you know, like, let's say if you are a person of color, it is more likely that you lost your job. It is more likely that you are struggling financially. It is also more likely that you got COVID. It is more likely that when you got COVID, you had poor outcomes. It is more likely that... You know you have borne a heavy brunt of the pandemic, um, and so it makes sense that their mental health rates have gone up significantly higher. And here's something. And here's something to know is to note as well. Um, and this is kind of a weird statistic, but um, as far as uh, rates of suicide have in the, in that community has gone up. Um, Rates of suicidal ideation in general have gone up. Now here's the weird part, right? And, and we can't fully explain this yet, but actually suicide rates have gone down. One of the reasons why that may be is because sometimes when there's a crisis, it, it puts us into this different mindset. Like we almost, we react to it in a different way. And I've heard this before that after 9-11 the expectation was PTSD rates were going to shoot up it was going to be an absolute disaster and in many ways it was. Of course many people suffer from PTSD but because of the way the whole country came together because you got into that um, you know crisis reactionary mindset a lot of people did not have that same level of symptoms. So it could be in the beginning phases, right, we had this like whole coming together crisis mindset, um, and maybe that's why I, I don't know. Um, and it's thought though that sometimes that lasts at the beginning, but since this crisis is dragging on, and even though case numbers are going down, we're still seeing disproportionate impacts. We're still seeing you know people struggling with financial burden. And a lot of this could still get worse, right? Even if the the symptomology starts going down, we could still see increases in in uh, mental health symptomology and uh, people, you know, s- simple way of putting that, people struggling. Um, you know, the 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 newness, you know, in some ways of the pandemic is is wearing off, um, but hopefully, in some ways, it's going to get better as well. Um, Coming into summer, there's more activities, more things to do. Um, more people are being vaccinated, not as many as there could be. Um, where you have you know a lot more options, getting outside, more sunlight. So hopefully that'll make things better. So I'm curious to hear what you all think. Um, all right, so let's check out. Let's see what we got going on TikTok, and we have. Stephanie's saying, in my culture, mental health is never discussed. And that is super common. So I'm curious if you want to share what culture that is. But yeah, in a lot of different communities, almost more often than not, I mean, mental health being discussed is like a fairly new phenomenon as it is. Um, so that's a thing. But yeah, so I mean, it, in, in many cultures, like if you, you know, think about like, uh, culture, cultures, where there's more expectation, you know, more pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, self sufficiency, honor, um, you know, in a lot of lot, you know, Latin cultures, uh, East Asian cultures, you'll you'll hear a lot about that. Yep. Yeah, so Stephanie says, first generation Mexican American. So yeah, that's that's very common. Um, so let's see. <laughs> This is a really funny user, I'm just gonna say it: boofing Zoloft. So, if you want a if you want a Zoloft delivery system to really get that antidepressant, don't don't listen to me. Don't try that. Um, I've used hard drugs for ten plus years, been sober for over a year. Depression has not gone away. Yeah, so you know, there's something called post acute withdrawal symptoms, and sometimes it takes when you, when you've been stressing out your system, when you've been artificially. Uh, managing your you know mental health chemi- your, your mental chemistry with substances it can take a long time physically and mentally to readjust and so some people get sober and their depression gets better uh, right away and but other people right who very likely had underlying depression it did not go away Um and sometimes they need additional services like therapy, uh different medications um to explore that because sometimes just like being in the recovery community, being sober, changing your life around, you know, could make the difference and, and that's good, but a lot of people need more. You know, they need more services, uh more cause I, I always say recovery community and getting mental health services is a really great combination uh for living a long-term recovery lifestyle. Uh, we got more people joining the stream, so let's go. Let's go back. So for those of you just tuning in, we are talking about the pandemic and how that's affected mental health, and doing a deep dive into that. Um, you know, so just recapping, mental health uh, symptoms, depression, anxiety has gone about four x in the U.S. In other countries, not quite as much, but I mean, like two x, like in the U.K. So that's still a lot. That's very significant. Um, you know, rates of suicidal ideation, uh, certain groups of being hit harder, minority groups, people of color, LGBTQ, younger people uh, have been hit harder. Um, now, let's talk about, we we're talking about access to mental health care. And here's some statistics. So in Australia, so they asked people in various countries, were you able to access the care you needed for mental health? Australia, 54% said yes. Canada, 47% said yes. UK, 32% yes. The US, 31%. And that's interesting. And I've learned a lot from you all who are coming into my lives, right? Obviously, as, as I look at the analytics of who my followers are, right? Mostly in the US, you know, Canada, a lot from the UK, Ireland. Um, and it's interesting to hear how your mental health systems work compared to the U.S. And I, I mean, we could do a whole topic on this one as well. But, um, you know, so it looks like some of the folks with more socialized healthcare uh, Australia, Canada, U.K. So U.K. is about the same as the U.S. And I wonder if there's any U.K. folks who are in the live stream now, like our buddy Ashlyn. Um, and... I have a couple theories as to why. Now, in the UK, what I've learned is it is extremely difficult to access mental health services, probably mo- more so than here in the US, surprisingly. The US, we always get a bad name because of how much of a patchwork our system is. And in the US, honestly, I believe that we have the best healthcare system that is the least accessible. So it's, it's extremely disparate where. If you have money and means, you have great access. You could get appointments right away. You could see multiple providers half of the time if you have good insurance. But if you don't, it's a shit show and it could bankrupt you. Um, we don't have that, that that blanket safety net for people to get the access to those basic services. So I think that's why the numbers would be so low around the UK. And now I've talked to folks in the UK and Canada and they have expressed... That it is very difficult given that it's a single-payer system they have difficulty accessing services because it's like you almost have to be on the verge of a crisis for them to allow you to access any kind of services so that's really unfortunate and i think you know if you have access to services in the u.s and here's the thing and here's another theory that i have and it's still not going to be great but i think oh, one of the reasons why it may seem so hard to access services here, is people don't know how to access them. Our system's just really confusing. So I think a lot of people have access. Um, They could do it through their insurance, maybe they could afford the out-of-pockets, co-pays, deductibles, but it's just too damn confusing and they don't know how their benefits work. Um, So a lot of people who think they can't afford or have access really can, they just don't know how. The other issue that I thought about is that when in the US, right, everything is a trade-off. And though we don't have socialized medicine, you um we have lower taxes. So okay, if we wanted socialized medicine here, we'd have to be okay with paying a significantly higher tax rate. But everything is built in and taken care of. All of our basic health needs are hopefully met. And, but the problem is when, you know, so we have more options, right? So I have more options of what I do with that money because I'm taxed less. So I could spend that on healthcare and maybe I would be paying around the same amount. Maybe I'm paying less out of my own pocket because maybe I'm a healthier individual. So you have more choices in healthcare at the end of the day, uh, or what you want to do with those funds that you put to healthcare or not. Now the problem with that is you then have to make that decision of do I want to spend this money on healthcare? And I mean there's probably a lot of other things you'd rather be spending your money on. Um so do I take that 10 to 15 percent of my income and spend that on healthcare? Well, if the situation is bad enough, like it's an that's why a lot of people in the US wait till it's an emergency to invest in their own health. Um, but other than that, you know, you are disincentivized because everything is privatized, that everything here in the U.S. is a business. You are incentivized to not use your health care, right? That's why you have those co-pays deductibles, like makes you think twice about going to the doctor. Oh, I know I'm going to get this big bill, right? So unless you have a ton of disposable income and you just don't give a crap, but even then you're still asked this question of, do I want to spend my money? On healthcare so even though it maybe is accessible that we have a lot of providers of course we need more um, that is a big issue um, and that's one of the trade-offs so you know no system is perfect um, and we could certainly in the US do a lot better but it, not to say that some of these countries do not have their issues you know you know for someone like myself well I'm privileged I'm lucky enough to have good health insurance, I'm in an okay financial, financial situation. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry quite as much, and I still do have to think twice, and you, know, you still have a deductible, there's still other things I could pay that money for. Um, so, yeah, so it's, you know, I'd rather be in the US personally, but I'm, I'm in that lucky group. You know, I'd rather get my health care. If I was in Canada, I would be flying down here if I had the means. I mean, we have places like here in Minnesota. We were talking about some of the good treatment centers. We have the history. You know, we also have something called the Mayo Clinic, which, you know, they have an airport where, uh, I don't know if it's an airport, but they, you know, have like this, the Sultan of Brunei, if that's really a thing. I don't know if there's actually a Sultan of Brunei, but if there is one, they're flying to the Mayo Clinic. I mean, they get people from Saudi Arabia, I mean, all over the country to come Get services. It's just not accessible for everybody. It's just you know, it's very black and white Um, So another You know some of you are mentioning this that is interesting is now with telehealth services are more accessible so if you so I, I really feel that people are accessing mental health at a higher rate and that's because they're really feeling the need to so what else? We have uh, health care workers. Um, so that is another group that is is taking the brunt of this thing. Um, you know, the PTSD rates have shot up. And it's hard. This COVID disease is very weird because, you know, it it affects a lot, you know, under, let's say like 0.5 to 2% of people need to be hospitalized, right? You're having a lot of people who are older, a lot of people who have pre existing conditions. So people who are more susceptible. So you're not seeing, it's not like the Spanish flu. Where you're seeing like a lot of kids dying and that kind of, so it's a, like, like personally, I don't no one like first degree to me has I know a lot of friends people who have lost loved ones but no one first degree to me has passed away from this thing and that and same with a lot of other people and that's what makes it so bizarre is this disease it it could transmit more because it takes like a couple weeks so it's like a lot of this is not super obvious now when the pandemic hits a place like New York and you're hearing ambulances all the time and it's spreading like crazy and you have a bunch you know in, in uh, geriatric, elder care facilities, right? It becomes this big dramatic thing, but as that slows down, we just don't have that same sense of immediacy because it's not like people all all around us. And that has exacerbated what's going on, and so people who are seeing how bad this thing really is firsthand. Are these front care, frontline healthcare workers, people who are working in hospitals, um, and they are bearing a strong brunt of this as well. It was interesting. Someone I saw someone on TikTok said that looks like they're in Minnesota as well. Our favorite boofing ZOLOFT. I have like a running list of some of the best usernames. I may put that. I may add you to the list of the some of the funniest usernames. But yes, here in Minnesota, we have, I would say, the best um, Medicaid system. We call it Medicaid, we call it medical assistance. But honestly, if you make under 30 uh, something thousand a year, I think it is um, you know, per individual, you qualify for Minnesota care. Um, and you get a lot of these subsidized plans for free, you know, like through Blue Cross, they have their own version of it. And everything is covered, no out-of-pocket costs. I mean that's you know that's great, but there's this whole donut hole of people in the middle, you know, who are doing and the Affordable Care Act has been great, but you know, you still have a lot of out-of-pocket costs. So it's like so I know a lot of people who don't make above a certain amount of money so they could have that health care, which is unfortunate. But we have one of the most generous systems. You could go to pretty much any treatment center here for free. Most all healthcare providers are like required to take the medical assistance; they're they're not opting out. So, I mean, this could be a very good model, and I think if we fixed a lot of those folks in the middle who fall in that donut hole of not having like great employer healthcare, and then the other people in the middle who have who it really does take have a negative impact. Um, that this could be a good model of what we could do in the U.S. without necessarily having to do the Medicare for All, which certainly has its pluses and minuses. I won't get too involved in that. I do think that a blended model may be best, maybe a little controversial, but um, I do think there should at the very least be um, a public option and that, that uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, threshold is lift that everyone has access to their basic needs like other countries but still having a strong private system that has brought us a lot of these innovations places like the Mayo Clinic um, you know to have the cutting edge care we just in the US we just pay way too much for it so we talked about healthcare workers um, so let's I want to I want to do something I want to call we're gonna see if we can make this happen we're gonna call some of you all know my friend Lily and Lily is a psychiatric social worker at, uh, here in Minnesota, one of the county hospitals. And she's been on here live with me, so I told her that maybe I would give her a call. So let's give her a call. As someone who works in a county psych hospital, let's see. She said she may answer so we could get her take on things as well. Let's see. Will she pick up? Hello. Lily, you're on Evan the Counselor Live. Congratulations. Oh. oh, wow. You are our 20th caller, so you win free tickets to my live show. Isn't that exciting? Is that now? They're right They're now, yes. you Free tickets oh, right okay. now. Okay. But the only thing is you have to give us some of your expert opinions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a lot of pressure. Okay, so, yeah, you got this, though. I mean, you work at a psych unit with, you know, people coming at you and codes and, you know, I think I think you could handle this being on the hot seat right now.
1: Okay, I'll do
0: my best. you do your best. All right. So, as I said, Lily is a psychiatric social worker, one of my besties, one of my go-tos Hi, for uh, s- severe mental health. So, I, w- I would say close to an expert, if not an expert on severe mental and persistent mental illness. So we've been talking about, uh, or we, me, uh, but we've been talking about um, how the pandemic has changed uh, or how it's affected the, the population as far as mental health. And I, I talked about some basic statistics, depression, anxiety, other mental health symptoms up 4X, uh, suicidality. Uh, this is impacting, you know, mo- uh, at a higher rate, LGBTQ folks, young people, Folks with pre-existing conditions, minority groups, people of color, um, so you know nothing too surprising to our own anecdotal experience. As I looked this up, uh, we're talking about access, so all that stuff. So I was curious to get your input, Miss Lily, about what are like what have you been seeing over the last year as far as like as twenty twenty, you know, compared to the years before with severe and persistent mental illness and working on a psych unit
1: okay well no pressure that's a lot of question um well there's been really like a huge um plethora of things that i've been seeing personally um so as i think about it uh one of the main things that i've noticed is um the people we see coming in for suicide attempts and the severity of those attempts um is really lethal, so people are coming in with incredibly lethal attempts, they're, um, they're, you know, I think eventually they are, um, some of them happy that they didn't actually succeed, but the attempts are much more lethal, I think, than, um, I've seen in the past, I would say, I mean, these are just really, skewed numbers, but I would say, you know, a lot of times when people are feeling stressed and overwhelmed, um, they mm-hmm. may impulsively, um, attempt suicide, but these, uh, suicide attempts, and I'm sorry, you know, trigger warning,
0: yeah, trigger warning for more, a lot of folks, yeah, just I should have said that, that probably, Yeah, um, in the beginning, was, but I mean, these they're, attempts they're are important. much more, like, yeah, yeah, but, they, yeah, these
1: attempts are much more planned out, um, and so they're not as impulsive, um, So that's one thing, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, financial stress that people are under, feeling really isolated and alone. Um, Another thing we're seeing is a breakdown in routine due to loss of services, uh, such as in-home services, people being able to go out to appointments, uh, go to Mm drop-in centers uh, for people with severe and persistent mental illness. So we're seeing a lot of people kind of... um, do that breakdown in structure. We're seeing a lot of people off of their medications and becoming yeah. pretty
0: acutely psychotic because they're losing their check-in supports that may have helped yeah. them catch
1: that earlier.
0: Well, and they can't um, access telehealth, for you know what I mean? Like, you could only, you know, for more severe persistent a lot of it has to be more in person, or, the, you know, they may have difficulty logging into a computer. So it sounds like they're losing sure, right. access, you know, versus someone just on an outpatient basis for therapy. Maybe it's more accessible, but... For folks with more severe mental health, it's not.
1: And you're also looking at income disparity because, you know, if you are, you know, some people who are um, in lower income brackets don't have access to devices that have telehealth capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a way that, you know, they may not be having access to telehealth appointments at the same way other yeah. other people might. Um, so that's a big one. Um, We're also just seeing such a loss of employment across the board, which is putting just such a stress on people in terms of, like I said, finances and um, that just being such a large contributor to depression, anxiety, and, and then the social isolation is just so bad. Um, and mm-hmm. people really, and then I'm sure you've talked about this from your own side of being uh, an LADC, but we're seeing a lot of relapses
0: um, yeah, that's for people who've next... had long, long
1: stretches of sobriety.
0: That's gonna be um, the next topic. Yeah, trying to find some statistics on relapse because that's uh-huh. what we've noticed as well. Um, you know, like personally, like you know, being someone in the recovery community, being around the recovery community. Yeah, the relapses are off the charts. Uh, I've known so many people with long term sobriety that have relapsed. Um, I was going to talk about some famous cases, too, that have come up. But, um, yeah, the, 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 yeah, so that's kind of the anecdotal experience again with like you, me, others in the field. And then, you know, I'm finding some of these statistics to back a lot of that up. But, yeah, I mean, alcohol, I guess we could just talk about it now, but like alcohol sales have gone up 55%. Right. Um yeah, so like, you know, and then a lot of people too with COVID itself, like th- these folks who have substance use disorders are getting COVID at higher rates, having poor sure. outcomes. Um yeah. and
1: same with people who are, you know, some of my patients are unhoused, um, you know, and yeah. they are more susceptible, um, you know, when they are in the shelter system to being exposed to COVID. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big issue. Um, and it's just all across the board. It's just really bad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Bad. It has
1: affected people so much.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, have you had any of that, like any, like on the psych unit? Like if you notice like behavior incidents going up, um, like I know there's some, I know you had a, maybe a COVID outbreak and. Uh, psych- did, yeah, psychosis we, any psychotic symptoms
1: not that we've been able to link definitively that is still really in the early stages i think of research um due to you know there is early research that is linking um people who've had covid to um sick psych- like having psychotic yeah. episodes like after they've recovered from it like people with no history of psychosis whatsoever um I think which they are possibly thinking may be correlated to uh, inflammation in the brain, but um, we have no definitive link to that, and I can't say you know that I've seen anything that would indicate people. I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel comfortable saying that or not, but yeah,
0: just from um, your own I know anecdotal, that, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire. Yeah,
1: sure. I, and I haven't even I haven't even seen you know more than one or two cases that anecdotally that I would say that that would be sure. a, you know other than those two. Um, but I I would say that just there's an over you know overwhelming amount of stress strain. Um, and pressure on people, you know, my patients, uh, my colleagues, everyone
0: really yeah. it's kind of a just a pressure cooker in general. Yeah all right yeah, well, thanks for your experience. A couple just quick questions so some folks on the TikTok live stream are asking so, so hypothetically if there was someone having a psychiatric emergency, I guess where in you know maybe instead of where in Minnesota, but like you know how how do you recommend they access? Services like what are a couple options?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know it really depends on where you are in the state. If you are in the Twin Cities, um, specifically if you're in Minneapolis, um, you can come. Um, to Hennepin County Medical Center it has its own sort of emergency department, um, for psychiatric care, which is called Acute Psychiatric Services or Wait. APS come Quick, there. Yeah, Lily, uh, just
0: not to cut you up, but like because a lot of people are from like what about more generally? Right. Like if you're across the country, like, you know, it sounds like there are psych you know, places have psych sure, emergency. Okay.
1: Yeah, if you are in a site if you're having a psychiatric emergency, um I would say go to any emergency department if okay. you know, if whatever part of the state you're in. Um and explain to them what kind of emergency you're having because that's where you can get a psychiatric evaluation. And, um, you know, there are some specialized psychiatric emergency rooms throughout the country. Um, Otherwise, any regular ED should be able to provide a psychiatric evaluation. You can always call 911 and tell them you're having a psychiatric emergency. Um, There should be specific crisis lines in your county and you can Google that, um, that you can call. Yeah. So, you know, Google your county and literally Google crisis line yeah. after
0: it. See, um, crisis county but, services. Yeah,
1: yeah, but if you're really in the midst of it and you feel like you can't make it to an ED in that moment, call 911 and tell them you're having a psychiatric emergency.
0: For sure. Lily, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, you enjoy the rest of your day with your with your girls.
1: You too. Everyone take care, stay safe, Bye. and um, thanks so much. All right, see ya. Bye.
0: Well, what a treat that was. Lily, psychiatric social worker extraordinaire. She really knows her shit, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. So what else do we have? So, like Lily mentioned, we talked about briefly, but you know, drug and alcohol relapses, I, I really believe, have gone up significantly. And I just wanted to reference a couple... So, I was looking up some articles, and it was funny. This guy, a colleague of mine, who he has his own business where he's an interventionist, you know, substance use interventionist, he said that his referrals have gone up 83%. I saw an article that he was referenced in. Um, one, one of the difficult things, and Lily, I'm glad she mentioned it, is people who are in long term recovery relapsing at higher rates. And one of the reasons for that is likely. The things that have been keeping them sober, number one being connection, uh, access to community resources, uh, access to a community in general, uh, has been more difficult. People haven't been as willing to do Zoom meetings. You know, people still are doing them. They just don't, some people just can't get on board with that. So now we're over a year. So a lot of people. So it's interesting. I was listening. um, So there's a podcast you should check out besides this one, even though we're not even out yet, but it's called Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. And he's, you know, Dax, who was, you know, actor, producer, you know, TV, movies, whatever. He um, married to Kristen Bell, famously. He's in, he's in long-term recovery. He had about almost 20 years sober, and he was open about it. You know, his podcast is top of the charts, really popular. He talks about recovery a lot. He talks about being in a 12-step program, um, and he relapsed this year. And it was, you know, kind of a famous relapse, if you could, if you could, have something be a famous relapse. But he um, has this incredible episode of his podcast, Armchair Expert, and the title of it's called Day Seven, if you look it up. And it's basically him not live, but it's him admitting to everybody, to his whole fan base, that he had relapsed and that he'd been using is unbelievable. It is such a good portrayal of relapse and how it happens over time. It's really emotional, heartfelt. He's talking with his you know best friend and you know podcast partner about it, and she gives her perspective of seeing this happen. So he's sober seven days off opiates, and glad to say you know it's months later. It sounds like he's still doing well. Um, so that's a famous example of someone relapsing this year after long-term recovery yes i see ashlyn you, you you did miss lily but the good news is i'm going to be releasing this i'm recording this we'll be releasing it on youtube and some other platforms so you will be able to see it and hear lily's wisdom and insight another one on his show the other day i was listening he had kelly osborne and she is you know that whole family's in and out of recovery to some degree but you know she had some Long longer term recovery, and she talked about the same thing within the last couple weeks coming off of a relapse. And for her, it was the same kind of thing where Zoom came up. Oh, I think it's usually when you're feeling better. I did a TikTok video on this about a relapse breakdown, but I say there's a relapse of passion and a relapse of negligence. The relapse of passion is I'm having these extreme cravings that are emotional. I'm in early recovery. I had a breakup, and it's just this like you know, what, what people would stereotypically think of a relapse. Uh, but that's not what usually happens. It happens maybe more to people in early recovery, but the people in later recoveries a relapse and negligence. is when things are going well and you stop doing, you know, you, you don't have that same sense of immediacy. You stop doing the things that were helping you before. And then you find yourself one day in a vulnerable position. She was sitting outside at a pool. She saw a glass of champagne. Hey, I'd like to have one of those. Right? It's just this very classic kind of relapse after long-term recovery. Um, and part of that for her was not having gone to meetings over the past year uh, because she just couldn't get into the Zoom thing. And it's like, it's like hey, I get it. It's not a bad excuse, but you're, you're, the addiction, the disease, it doesn't give a shit about your excuses. You know, it's going to rear its head when you don't do what you need to do. So, yeah. So I thought I would wrap this up and I'll maybe... Uh, transfer over a little bit to to the live stream here and see if anybody you know uh, has any questions again for those you tuning in we're talking about you know how COVID is impacting people's mental health and I thought I would wrap it up talking about how I ended up on TikTok and I talked about at the beginning a little bit about my background you know this is going to be a podcast the first episode so I figured I'd share a little bit about myself and you know, I wanted to wrap up uh, with uh, how I got on here. So I was I was, riding my bike one day. It's one of my self-care activities. I to ride my bike down the Mississippi River here. And I, I love podcasts. I wasn't into a podcast. It was like a business one. And so when I talked about going on TikTok, and he was like more of like a real estate guy, um, and how he grew this like huge follower base pretty quickly, and I thought, well, maybe that would be cool. And I didn't really know... Why to do it? I just kind of sounded appealing to me. I've always wanted to, you know, be able to do more education, reach an audience. I love talking about this stuff, and so I don't know. I I, I just get ideas. My like I said before, my hands—I get my hands in everything. I get excited by new things, and I was like, oh, that could be cool. So I downloaded TikTok. I made a couple of videos, right? And um, (laughs) you know, I didn't become famous overnight, so I was like, I put it away for a bit, but. No, I I kept at it, and I just, for me, I found it scratched some itches that I couldn't get professionally, like certain abilities to be creative, you know, I've always, you know, liked comedy, um, education, you know, things that I'm not necessarily always able to do at work. Um, So yeah, I just got more and more into it, and and it, it coincided nicely with winter, here in Minnesota, right, we're about to go into a long winter, with a lot of time inside, and basically, what was getting me through the pandemic was just after work, getting out of my house. I'm fully working from home. I would ride my bike and, you know, be outside and whatever. And I just couldn't do that anymore, and I was starting to get really stir crazy, and you know, other, you know, I had some other like personal stressors going on as well, um, and I just found that. Um, Writing, making videos, creating content, you know, that—that's just what I would do when I was when I was done with work. Every, I don't want to say every, but most of my waking hours when I wasn't working was dedicated to doing something related to making content. And I don't know, for me, that really gave me like a new sense of life, a new sense of purpose. Uh, somewhere to, I have a lot of energy. And when it does, when I have nowhere to put it, it it turns inward and it turns into being up in my head and mental health, um, you know, stress. So, um, so for me, I think the takeaway in all this is that one of the, you know, finding something right now in, in the struggle, as I mentioned at the beginning, not one person I've ever talked to has not had, has not been negatively affected by this pandemic. So I really recommend to folks to find something, you know, to put your energy towards, something you're passionate about. I did a TikTok video not long ago about, um, you know, finding purpose and how important that is. So I thought I would wrap it up with that. And, you know, final takeaways would be to follow me on YouTube. I'm coming out with more, like, in-depth content. Obviously keep following me on TikTok, like, comment, share. Uh, If you want my content to get out to more people, if you find it to be beneficial, and I tell people if you don't find it beneficial, if you find it to be horrible and terrible and even dangerous, don't share it. That would be irresponsible to share my content. But if you do like it, please comment, like, share. Uh, Same thing on YouTube, Instagram, all the other good things. Um, And if you like our buddy El Toro Rojo here and you want your house looking awesome, check out my one and only sponsor vibe interior code Evan 40 for $40 off. But anyway, this has been an awesome experience and thanks for those who have been, um, who have been on this live stream the whole time. There's been a few of you participating. So that is awesome. And we'll, we'll be releasing this on YouTube that you could watch the whole thing. So also live on Facebook here. Uh, Yeah. So over and out. Thanks everyone for joining and we will wrap up episode one.